in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday Our first December Friday Happy December, we all made it December, someone on CNBC today said, and we're just a few weeks away from 2023. And I was like, how dare you, sir? (laughs) How dare you? Time is wild. I believe it was 2019 last month. And then suddenly it's 2023. It's (laughs) the past three years have been a total blur. I had a baby at some point, (laughs) just somewhere in there. (laughs) And now he's about to be two. It's, it's a, it's weird. It's weird. Who did I see the other day? I saw, or I was talking to somebody and they're like, oh, it was my Tommy's cousin who I feel like yesterday had her baby. Mm-hmm. And then the other day I saw her and the baby's two months old. And I'm like, time's meaningless. Like, it's, it's just, wild. you don't realize how fleeting it is until you can see something growing and getting bigger week by week in front of you. Because as adults, we kind of just gradually start to, but like children... It's like overnight, all of a sudden Whoop. they've they've sprouted. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. They look like uh, yeah, Jack and the Beanstalk. Mm. Does somebody grow in that, or they just climb? Anyway, not a good reference. Uh, match nevertheless, beans that then send them into the sky, growing like a beanstalk. That's what I was thinking. You go, yeah. it just grows so fast, so quickly. Well, uh, we have quite a number of stories today. You you texted me in advance and said, wow, we've had so many amazing submissions. So if we you have. submitted your story, thank you so much. Uh, that's I mean, part of it's just choosing which ones to cover each week. So thank you so much for your generosity in yes, sharing these. Absolutely. I uh if you haven't heard yours yet, there's a good chance you still will. We we jump around. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Treon Jackson, and it is called A Coincidence That Saved My Life. When I was just five years old, I was adopted into the loving family I live with now. You see, I was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and my current parents always tell me the story of how they were leaving one of their late night date nights and heard crying coming from the outside side of the restaurant. My dad went to investigate and found me, dirty and crying in the back of a black pickup truck, surrounded by blankets and trash. My parents often call me their miracle, because when they found me, just years and years before, they had been trying to have a baby of their own, but could not. So now, let's fast forward years later. I was 14 years old at the time when my parents began to hire a cleaning lady, Sophia. I was the only child. I still am. So I often kept to myself and didn't really socialize outside of school and the swim team. So when Sophia came, it almost felt natural that we hit it off. She was charming and funny, and often I noticed she would treat me as if I were her son. Also, she was from Puerto Rico, so that made me feel connected, and I felt like I could relate to her. Sophia also had a boyfriend, Randy. Randy, I could tell, did not like me. To this day, I have no idea why, but I got very off vibes from him. He would come over occasionally and bring her lunch or flowers, and when he saw me, would give me the coldest look and meanest side eye, but I brushed him off. Two months after Sophia started working for my parents, I could hear my mom and her arguing in the kitchen. I went to the kitchen just in time for Sophia to walk out the door past me with the most furious face and slammed the door. My mom explained to me that while coming home really early from work while I was at school, she found Sophia stealing money from my mom's dresser, as well as jewelry and perfume. She said Sophia would not be here anymore, and I was angry. I was also saddened a bit as well. Fast forward a few days later. It was cold that night, and very windy and raining. I was in my room watching swimming videos on my laptop when my parents were on another one of their late-night date nights that they hadn't done in years, ever since finding me. Faintly, I could hear a loud banging sound coming from outside my window. It sounded like it was coming from the basement. 
I went out to the backyard with a flashlight and an umbrella and walked towards the basement, which was a separate structure from the house. When I got to the basement, I looked inside. Right there at the front were Sophia and Randy, looking back at me. Sophia, what the? You shouldn't be here, I said, startled. Well, I am supposed to be here because I am taking something that your parents won't get back, she said in a menacing tone as she grabbed my arm. Randy put a rag between my mouth and around my head and a bag over my head as well, while knocking me to the ground. As I'm disoriented, they manage to tie my arms, and I feel myself get lifted off the ground and slammed into something. Then I heard a loud bang from below my feet and the start of an engine. My fear set in that I am in the back of a pickup truck. It felt like eternity as the truck drove. I'm kicking and screaming as we pass by traffic and cars because I can hear the beeps and other vehicles. However, when I kick as hard as I can, I hear a latch break and I jump out and start booking it. The bag on my head flies off and I'm blinded by car lights and horns coming my way. I just start running and remember passing a nearby restaurant. And guess who saw me from the window from inside the restaurant? My parents. They were at that exact restaurant they went to years ago when they first found me as a child. My parents ran after me, yet they didn't find Sophia and Randy. They were long gone. They were long gone. I think about this all the time and how things could have taken a darker turn. Thank you for letting me share my story. I love the podcast and cannot wait for many more episodes. Un- Dude. Real. I mean. Unfucking real. Like, well, with your face when I was reading this, because I don't think you'd read this one. I did not. Utter shock. And when yeah. I was reading this, I gasped to myself. The further yeah. I was like, oh, I was riveted. First of all, uh, first of all, Treon, great writing. I was riveted the whole time. But. <laughs> Also, I mean, clearly, this was the the person that had abandoned him. It, I mean, is what I, I'm led to believe. I don't, it seems like one might draw that conclusion based on yeah. what she said and, and the truck and also being from Puerto Rico. Horrifyingly sad that he was left in the back of a truck as a child. So thankful that these this lovely couple was there and did the right thing. But, I mean, I have so many questions. Seriously. I mean, like you said, that they the parents call them their, her, their miracle, and they're not wrong. I mean, that's, like you said, trying for a baby. You happen to walk outside. You happen to be the ones that find him, and you're able to adopt him. But this is your ultimate fear is if somebody tries to come back for him or even if not that's not his you know birth mother it could just be a person who wants him and mm-hmm. you're like no he's our miracle we right? love him we've raised him that's what also how did he get in the back of that truck yeah what who man if you have more information trion would love uh to know if there was an investigation or what your parents side of the story i mean that's uh, to i don't know who Whoever can do that to a child should not have a child. So yeah. if it was Sophia or whoever, man, so scary. And yeah, it doesn't even matter if that if it was. The fact is somebody was trying to kidnap your kid. Yeah, seriously. Well, Treon, if you're, either of your parents is willing to write their version of it, like right? we had with the FBI come into the house, we had the daughter write in and then the mom give yes. her version later. I would love to hear that because you're a couple. You think, oh, our son's at home watching TV. He's mm-hmm. fine. He's 14. That's grown enough to be by yourself. I mean, he's, you know. Years and years later. Yeah. After and then, he, they found him. They found him at five. So 11 years later. Go back to the same place and then you're like, Wait a minute, is that that's, is that our that, son? I mean, that's a movie. Yeah, that's well, incredible. But so glad lucky. you're okay. Kudos to you for being like, not today, bitch, and just kicking the shit out of your way. Exactly what I would have hopefully have done in that situation. You just yeah, it's fight for your life. So, so scary. Yes, this next one, also scary. This is from Jess, and it is called... My Nightmare at Hill House. My husband and I recently attended our first Sinisterhood live show at the Texas Theater last month and loved it. I've had a pull to send this story in as soon as I saw the giant picture pop up behind you guys of Hill House. My heart dropped, and for a few seconds I zoned out, remembering my experience. 
You see, I visited Hill House. Wait, hold on. What was that look? Well, I just saw that they stayed in it. I oh, read, oh. I only read mine because I gotcha. jumped on. So I'm listening intently. This okay. is exciting for me. All right. This one's a good one. You see, I visited Hill House and not just visited, but spent a night inside the house. In October of 2012 on Halloween weekend, we booked a night to stay for some fun ghost hunting. We invited a paranormal team to join us with equipment and a medium as well and some other friends and family. At first, we were very excited to be there. It seemed innocent enough, and boy, did they cater to people seeking paranormal experiences. The living room had over 10 TV screens with live footage from cameras placed in several rooms and areas of the house. The big well hole you showed the picture of was not exposed, yet we had no idea that was there. Not too long after arriving, my best friend had to lie down due to a migraine. The rest of us split up into two groups and started exploring the house, leaving my friend on the couch at her insistence. As the evening continued, I started to feel uneasy and would frequently step out on the front porch so I could get fresh air. The house felt very heavy on my lungs. The downstairs basement area was the one we had not explored yet because several of us were nervous to go into that part of the house. We agreed that one group would stay in the living room and monitor the second group as they went down. The medium was in this group, along with my boyfriend and a few others. We watched them gather in a room and sit on the floor, and it seemed like nothing was happening. And then they looked alarmed, and some of them jumped up, and before we knew it, they were all out of that room and busting through the door at the top of the stairs that had led into the living room. The medium immediately went over to others in his group and grabbed a notebook and started explaining what they saw and writing things down. They all looked shocked. My little brother was part of our group that night, and, not realizing it, he went over and snooped what the medium wrote down and asked him what it meant. The medium freaked out and shh him, telling him not to say it again. That got all of our attention, so the medium proceeds to explain he felt a dark energy in the basement, and whatever it was made contact and was clear that it didn't want him there. It was a demon, to be more specific. The paranormal team, including the medium, started packing up their things and loading up the car. I asked them why they were leaving so soon because we had the house for the entire night. And they explained now that they knew what was inside that house, they wanted to leave as soon as possible. They suggested we do the same. I went back in and tried to talk the rest of our group into leaving. They thought it was all a joke and insisted we stay. I felt like it was in my own personal horror film or on the brink of entering hell. I felt angry, isolated, and alone. And of course, I was the only sober person there. I was growing more concerned for my friend who had been asleep on the couch, and the migraine didn't seem to be improving. I forced her to stand up and walked her out to the car, started it up, and pulled away. Within minutes of leaving, she lifted her head and said she felt better. She started telling me that while we were exploring, she kept feeling something crawling on her while she laid there. Eventually, she concluded this was a cat spirit because of the way it moved around, and we had also read about others having an experience with a ghost cat. She believes this cat protected her from being part of my experience. Her and I both agreed something wasn't right about the house, and that we needed to go back and get everyone to leave. Once we were back, the migraine returned, and she was down on the couch, and once again, I was alone. My husband and I weren't married yet, but by this point had been dating for nearly a decade. I'm convinced to this day, because of his love and interest in paranormal exploring, and his vulnerability while being in this house, whatever that dark force was, influenced him. It was like talking to a brick wall. He wouldn't listen to anything I had to say or anyone else. He wasn't himself at all. He told all of us just to go to sleep in the living room, and he was going to spend the night down in the basement alone. What the fucking fuck? I lost it. Didn't care who watched. I was literally crying and begging him to please not do that. He was angry with me, but on the verge of passing out, so we kept him up in the living room until he did just that. Afterward, I sent my brother and another friend of ours home in a separate car. That left me, my boyfriend, and my friend who was still battling a migraine, left alone in the house. I couldn't sleep. I felt like I had to stay awake and vigilant to protect the other two. At one point, I was overcome with a feeling something was trying to communicate with me, and I didn't like it at all. 
I ran out of the house to my car, grabbed my Bible, ran back into the living room, and started reading random verses out loud. I didn't stop until I saw the sun break. It may sound like I sat there for hours, but honestly, it was maybe 45 minutes to an hour tops that I waited. At that point, I packed all of our stuff into the car, woke the other two, and told them we were leaving. No questions asked. I was terrified my boyfriend had been consumed by this entity that he was going to bring it home with us. Cue Amityville horror vibes. I was scared of him for days, but that faded as life went back to normal and nothing odd happened. We were finally able to sit down and discuss that night. From his perspective, everything was just fun party time exploring. He had no idea how serious the situation was for me, and never realized how affected I was by the entire charade. He didn't realize our friend was in pain, most likely intentionally disabled by this house, so that I would be isolated without her support. Maybe in hopes it could drive me mad and make me more vulnerable and accessible? I told him about grabbing my Bible, etc., and he knew I had never felt threatened enough in any situation to do something like that. We made an agreement and promise going forward. No more paranormal exploring, anything where it's possible to encounter a demonic presence. Ghost tours or anything on a more juvenile rated G for family only. The funny thing is, before he had booked that overnight stay, my boyfriend had already planned a trip to propose to me. He followed through, so about two weeks after the most terrifying experience of my life, I get engaged. This experience haunted me for years, but thankfully we made it out okay, and I ended up with the ring I waited so long for. I guess that's the happy ending to this story. And just in case you're curious, we've stayed good on our word. We celebrate 10 married years next year, and 20 years together. And since this nightmare weekend at Hill House, we've only participated in friendly ghost tours. We both love you guys so much. Keep it creepy. Well, for those of you who did not come to the live show at the Texas Theater or watch it on Moment, we covered the Hill House in Gainesville, Texas, which is a haunted house with very horny ghosts and a big hole in the middle that's a giant shaft that goes down, what, 30, 40, 50 feet? I think they don't really know. 17? (laughs) I mean, it's like nuts how deep it is. And there's. Yeah, it's pretty. It's not uh, something you expect when you walk into any house. No, but they've put like a plexiglass box around mm-hmm. it so you can look down in it. But we joked on stage. We're like, oh, what if it's haunted because that's a hell mouth and the gates of hell are open <laughs> and the devils can come up. Well, through that's the also shaft. what some psychics and mediums that have visited have posited. So and the basement was supposed to be the room where a man killed another man over a uh, a lady of the night that because mm-hmm. rumor was that. It was a former brothel as well, and people reported a lot of negative energy down in that basement. So who knows what's instigating that, you know, what instigated that that murder, what instigated y'all's feelings. The medium writing down a demon name, that's horrifying. And especially if your friend, your brother, your friend's like, did you mean, and then says the demon name, and they're like, you're going to conjure it. <laughs> Shut up. up. What does that say? Beetlejuice? Yeah. I um, <laughs> well, if it's Beetlejuice. also think, yeah, if it's Beetlejuice, say it three times. You want him showing up to your party. Yeah. Yeah, great. that's a that's a fun time. Bring his agnut. <laughs> Ella's constantly asked me about Beetlejuice. Has never seen it, but knows a lot about it, and is very interested in it. I'm like, you, you can't see it yet. <laughs> they made a cartoon of it, so maybe that's a safer oh, okay. bet. I'll have to check that out. I think a good rule of ghost hunting: if the medium and paranormal investigators leave and say, "Hey, uh, y'all should too," that's it for the night. You paid for the night. We know, but sometimes. It's all right. You can leave the dinner table without finishing everything. Yeah, it's okay to, if you're at a restaurant and your food just got served and someone's vomiting at the table next to you going, don't eat it. Get out of here. I just had that and I'm barfing. Don't go, well, I'd like to know for myself. Yeah. Or uh, if you do. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna, I'll make that decision for myself. You but can, but I you mean, can't it's... be surprised when you start puking later. <laughs> it's all on you. It sounds like Jess is your now husband that maybe he was even at the very least just like, drunk and so obsessed with it that it was not that he was not listening to reason but which is can be just as scary as someone who's sober and won't listen to reason (laughs) because they're possessed by a demon yeah well we've been wanting to go to hill house Mm -hmm. to do an overnight but now are we the silly ones for being like yeah we're gonna order that anyways bring it the dish i'll have what she's having (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to see 
Well, this next one is from another listener named Jess, and this is Please Help Me Solve a 40-Year Santa Claus Mystery. Hello, Sinister Sisters. Love you. Mean it. But I got to get right into it. I need your help in solving my life's greatest mystery. Here's what happened. It was early December in the early 80s. I was about four years old, and my mother, father, and I had just spent our first night in our new house. We hadn't met any of our neighbors yet. Although it's important to note that there weren't many other houses on the street. Most of the neighbors were older adults and there weren't sidewalks or anything, so foot traffic was rare. So it was mid-morning and I was being an absolute brat. My father was at work 30 minutes away and my heavily pregnant mother was done with my shit. She turned off Sesame Street, carried me to my room, and yelled at me to stay there and take a nap. Or else Santa would skip our house this year. The Santa thing always scared me into submission. The words had barely left her mouth when suddenly we heard it. From somewhere outside the house, a deep, jolly voice bellowed, Ho, ho, ho! Followed by the jingling of bells. My mother kind of stopped for a second, looked at me funny, and said, Okay, you can come back downstairs with me. Was that really Santa? I asked her. Yep. She said, but that's all she said about it, and the day resumed as normal. Years later, I asked her about this event, because it became one of those memories that it seemed like could have been a dream. Who did you get to play Santa? My mom chuckled. (laughs) No one? I have no idea who that was, and honestly, I was terrified. She went on to tell me that they literally hadn't met or seen any of their new neighbors yet, so when it happened... She assumed it was the next-door neighbor who heard my mom yelling and decided to help out. Problem was, the woman who lived within earshot of our house lived alone and was mostly deaf. The house on the other side of us was empty. The neighbors across the street were around my parents' ages, and they had a kid my age, so it might have been their father, but he also worked during the day. Also, he wasn't exactly the helping-out type or the prankster type, or the get-involved-with-other-people's-business type. It possibly have been some other person down the street that we never met, but the timing would have been scarily coincidental. My dear mother swore until the day she died that she had no idea who pretended to be Santa that day, but she did acknowledge that it actually happened. So, what do we think? Was Santa just one of our neighbors? Could it have been some shared hallucination? Or did we really hear the spirit of Santa himself that day? Please help. I'd love to know your thoughts. Happy, merry, whatever, and keep it creepy. Jess. Well, I think you had a visitation. Clearly it was Santa. Father Christmas made himself known. (laughs) Oh, man. I, as the mom, I want to know the mom's point of view from this story. Because as a kid, you're like, oh, Santa, how wonderful and magical. He must really be watching. As the mom, you're like, who the fuck is outside our house close enough to have heard me say that and is listening? Santa? <laughs> Hopefully. Have I, been, have I been doing this all these years unnecessarily? <laughs> You're like, why am I wrapping presents whenever he's <laughs> clearly available? You just have to conjure his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a kid, the prospect of being seen while you're sleeping and known while you're awake, you're like, how fun. And as a grown up, you're like, who the fuck is watching this house? <laughs> yeah. Who is watching yeah. this? I hope it was... Well, I guess I hope that we're all wrong. Santa's real. He's a wonderful, jolly person, and he was trying to help this mom out. Second, I hope it was a neighbor that was trying to get in and and do the mom a solid and kind of be fun for the kid. But who was it, and why would it have never been mentioned? I know. A neighbor's just walking his dog, and you hear a mom go, be good, or Santa's going to skip the house. And he's like, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> but why would you have jingle bells on you? I guess it's December. That doesn't answer it. <laughs> and you're, you, yeah, you're, you're decorated. Just shaking. I, but also, you in all the years you continue to live there, if you did meet the neighbors, one of them would have said, hey, by the way, that time that you were yelling about Santa, that was me. Mm-hmm. You would think. Well, or they don't want to, they don't know how old you were whenever you learned Santa wasn't real. Maybe Might not be real. Yeah. And they don't want to spoil it. They're they like, she's, ruin. They're like, you can tell her, Greg, she's 25. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for I know. her. Well, I I don't know. I, I mean, I guess, Jess, if you want us to solve it, 
Our answer is it was St. Nick. It had to be. It was Father Christmas. He yeah. heard you and he ho ho ho'd you so that you would uh, <laughs> so you still get presents that year mm-hmm. telling you to, to be good. And also, it's a fun to, you know, goose your mom a little bit. <laughs> she can't just invoke his name without him actually showing up. So now, it works this, for me. Honestly, if I was walking by a house and I heard this being yelled, would do the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Same. I would... I am definitely that type of neighbor that would be like, oh, yeah, you need me. I, I played Santa for one of my friend's uh, kids, and they, because the, the oldest one was maybe 10 ish, and sort of started to get like sassy I think that's about what it. I was like, found out. Yeah, and he was that. like, it's it's bullshit. It's not even real. And like, they were like, you have a younger sister and a mm-hmm. younger brother. Like, you're going to ruin it. And so they wanted to blow his mind. And so I came in while they, they took the kids to like lunch or something. And I came in, and I set all their presents out. And then I wrote a letter. I made a letterhead with Santa and I wrote a letter out. And then I crunched up like they had told the kids that reindeer eat crunched up candy canes. And mm-hmm. so they had left some candy canes out on purpose. And I took them and I took some of them and I smashed some of them and left them. And I was like, thanks for leaving the candy canes out. And they filmed it. And that 10 year old kid was like because <gasps> he was like i know it's you mom and if it's not you it's aunt and uncle and the aunt and uncle were like no they were all together at dinner and so they were all they all Dang. had an alibi because they were the kid in the video of that kid being like who did this and they were like it was Santa, and he was like welling up and he was like santa is real and oh. the little girl's like she is real it was very sweet and magical and then okay, i, think I know eventually- that's sweet and magical but then cut to three years later when that same 10 year old that believed that magic was real that day learns that it was all a ruse and how <laughs> shattered he must have felt i believe when they told him he was like that's really kind of her to do that because well, okay. he could see how excited his siblings were and he, they're he still goes little to therapy for it <laughs> he goes to therapy for something it ain't me, though. It wasn't Santa. Bless his heart. Well, ho, 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 indeed, Jess. I like to believe it was <laughs> either Santa or a goofy-ass neighbor like myself mm-hmm. who would come in and just pretend to be Santa. Well, this next one is from Vivian, and the subject line is, My encounter with maybe ball lightning? A mini lights episode triggered memory. Well, hi there. Love you and all you do. I listen to every episode and have been known to replay some, okay, most of your episodes when I'm all caught up. I listened to the Mini Lights episode the other day, and after hearing about what ball lightning is and isn't, had to write in. Here goes. A few years ago, on a gorgeous stormy day, I opened the blinds to watch the rolling clouds. My husband and I live in a condo complex, which is more like a connected row houses, and ours is in the middle of our block. After a few minutes of watching the clouds, the novelty wore off, and I went back to watching TV with my husband. But then, for some reason, I looked out the window just in time to see this baseball-sized hot pink orb slowly fly past our double windows. It was not a perfect sphere, but was a little squished in the middle and had a short tail. It was a bit transparent and looked like plasma, and it had white areas flitting over it. It was very close to the building, but it didn't affect the electricity in our home at all. I jumped up and ran to the window just as it was beginning to cross the second window. Yes, I was that close, and watched it until I couldn't see it anymore. It was just going in a straight line like it had somewhere to be. There was no static, no scent of ozone, no sound, nothing. Friends, I was so tempted to go outside and follow whatever this was. It was slow enough that I easily could have... It was slow enough that I easily could have had I wanted to. I'm usually up for an adventure, but just had an off-putting feeling about this, despite how cute it was. Was it electrical and something that would shock me? Was it alien and something that would take me? My husband and I had seen a lot of UFOs in the area previously over the years. I personally am not looking to be probed. I reported it to MUFON because who else you going to call? And someone called me back a few days later. They told me that they had another report of a similar sighting a few towns over that same day around the same time and asked if I thought it was ball lightning, which I'd never heard of before. She explained to me what ball lightning was, and I look it up online, and I thought that must be it. She sounded disappointed, and we soon ended the call. I felt privileged to have seen something so rare, yet didn't think about it too much after that. Your podcast reminded me of what I had seen— and I was particularly taken aback by the colors Heather said ball lightning can be. Bright hot pink was not one of those colors. So now I'm wondering, what did I actually see? It's a bit exciting to think about. 
Thanks for taking the time to read this, and I don't mind at all if this doesn't get read on air. Just thought you'd like hearing about it. Thanks for all you do, and have a super great day. This sounds like a little character that is on a show Ella watches on Netflix called True. And my niece I, loves True. Wasn't, wasn't she True for Halloween? Yes, she loves True. Yes. Well, there's all these little creatures like this that are like little blobs everywhere that fly around and shit. So it kind of sounds like that. But from what I've seen, ball lightning is usually blue or orange or, or white. I Googled pink ball lightning. Nothing came up, but a lot. The first image that came up was one of those. The first image that came up was one of those, you know, remember at Spencer's how they would have like those globes and you'd put your hand mm-hmm. on it and then it would all the little pink lightnings inside would come to your finger. It was that. So uh, maybe it was one of those. <laughs> Someone had one floating past your window. I um, was very, um, I was in a state of excitement last night as I was uh, repeatedly shouting at my husband, what does the sun feel like? <laughs> He was just like, what are you talking about? But he was trying to explain this like phenomenon of, you know, when you have, there's energy that you don't see. We were talking about radiation and how things like radiate off of, and there's literally molecules and particles that are so small you can't see until like the sun is so, so massive and stuff gets all together and starts reacting to itself that it does create something like that. So depending on what was in the air, you know, what electricity was happening with the refraction you know if there's electricity from the storm and then the light refracts Mm -hmm. from the sunset i would have 100 percent of also called mufon if i only knew that was an option and now i do so thank you i'm glad to know that they will call and they also if you're not calling with a real alien prepare for some disappointment they want you to be calling in and giving them some proof. I get it. She was bummed. Yeah. She's like, oh, it was ball lighting. All right. Well, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. But <laughs> it's cool, too, because if you call and then a bunch of other people call, then it's they can you yeah. know, sort out what it was. Like well, when obviously you- someone had because they said we had another report of something like this. What you got to do, though, and I get why you didn't, but next time, follow that ball. Follow it. If Take it looks phone. like it's trying to go somewhere, it probably is. And we know we didn't even know where that is. Yeah, I want you to go with it. Go mm-hmm. boldly You've and been just live stream it. Then that way you're yeah. we're with you. It's like we're all hanging yeah. out with you while just it go happens. live. Go live on on the someone social media. does need to. Why haven't we seen a, a someone go live from a UFO yet? It's when coming. you get abducted, if you are able, just go live. Just stream. We all want to know what's going on up there. Ships got Wi-Fi. You know they do. (laughs) How else would they have found us? GPS. That's how they found us. Mm -hmm. So they're connected. They're way beyond (laughs) Wi-Fi. That's right. They have something even better. Well, thanks, Vivian, for that. And uh, let let us know if you see any other balls uh, going by your window and if you follow any of them. (laughs) Lightning or not. Otherwise. (laughs) Uh, And if someone screams, ho, ho, ho. Then you'll know. <laughs> They're all it's, coming together. Then it's Santa. Then it's Rudolph's nose, probably, mm-hmm. that you saw. Oh, well, yeah. this next one, terrifying. Yeah. It's from Dana, and the subject line is, I survived a stranger-on-stranger stranger ambush. Hi, Sinisterhood. I love your show and listen to every episode each week. It's just wonderful. You bring so much joy to my ears. My story happened in 2012 when I was a 25-year-old living in a new rental with my husband in suburban Georgia. We'd just gotten married and were already tired of cramped apartment living. We agreed to rent a split-level house from a family member in an average neighborhood that was convenient to our workplaces and would let us get a dog without charging us for a pet fee. That was a major win back then. The bar was very low for what we could afford, so we overlooked the rundown cars and less-than-maintained houses on our street. One day, I remember it was a bright and sunny Saturday. I had gone to the grocery store. My husband was out with his best friend and was to be gone for several hours. After my grocery trip, I pulled my car into the ground floor garage and popped the trunk. I started putting groceries into the interior garage door that led into the house. After the second trip, as my back was turned to the driveway, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. My primal senses ignited and I spun around. In my driveway, there was a man that I had never seen before, silently ambushing me. He was running and half-pacing in the way a boxer does, ready to strike in any direction, anticipating that I may move left or right, 
In a split second, I dropped everything in my hands and ran for the interior door. My hands instinctively hit the button to lower the garage door out of everyday habit. This made the man pause. After I got through the door and locked it, I ran up the stairs to the second floor. From the top of the stairs, I could see through the glass front door. The man had run to the door and was trying to break it down, throwing his weight into it and grasping at the handle with ferocity. In a moment of sheer panic, I called my husband. I said, there's a man trying to break in the house. My husband replied, if he gets through the door, you fucking shoot him. I remembered. We kept a shotgun under our bed. Even as I was literally watching a man try to break my door down, I said, I I can't shoot someone. Seconds later, it was over. The man stopped. He calmly walked down the front steps and into the street. As he was walking away, I crept into a room and behind some sheer blinds. As he calmly walked down the street, he looked up at the window and we made eye contact. I never saw him again. I still think about this event, and I tell all of my friends and family to trust your instincts. If I had ignored my senses, it would have been too late for me to react. This man was within seconds of getting me through an open door to an empty house where nobody would be home for hours to do only the worst I can imagine. Trust your instincts. Dana. This is my nightmare. I, I, When I get in the car, in the garage... I turn it off. I shut the garage door while I'm still in the car. Don't don't unlock the doors and then I wait for it to shut before I get out because I'm always so worried of someone scurrying in at the last minute and getting me. Oh, for sure. And I believe it was the Golden State Killer did that to some people yeah. and ambushed them as well as we've Oh, I'm trying to recall what another case was, but because of the cases that we've read about, oh, well, and Sherry Rasmus, and, you know, I thought about this with, like, a split-level house, and she was, you know, her garage door was open, mm-hmm. and it's like, who knows when Stephanie Lazarus, you know, attacked her, mm-hmm. and you just, that, like you said, you're vulnerable, your back's turned, you're headed from the car into the house, you just never know. But my friend Jody, shout out, she's a listener, she taught me, she was like, when you pull in the garage, put your car back in reverse, but keep on the brake so that the ba- the backup camera stays on and then you can watch the garage door close and i shit you not i do that especially at night i'm gonna start doing that yeah so i could just sit there and watch it because i was like well what if i was like oh i'll just sit in my car well they could roll in at the last second this sounds overly paranoia but i'm sitting there and probably listening to the radio anyway it's not Mm -hmm. like i'm in a rush to like jump out of the car so i'll just like pull all the way in pop it in reverse and just sit there on the gas or not on the gas on the brake to let it close behind me and it's my own little monitoring system so thank you jody i I love you That's, for that. And I guarantee you, listeners will now start doing that. Because, <laughs> well, it's a good idea. Because uh, of that. So that's great. But well, Dana's I'm a- so glad, Dana, that you um, t- trusted your instincts and also were so quick to act. It it escalated because when I was reading this, I was like, okay, he probably just left after that happened. No, no. He continued to try and get in the house. So he was trying to do something. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if and he because he thought, OK, that's an easy in the garage door is mm-hmm. open. She's right there. And then maybe was frustrated because he was excited about doing that thing. And then because that's quite a difference in trying to like sneak in and, you know, grab somebody really quickly, then like overtly banging on a door, yanking on the handle to where it's like a neighbor would see. So I wonder if then, you know, like she said, I, I go in my head, I'm like, why did he just stop and walk off? But it's probably I think like, it, it sounds oh, like shit. a mental health episode as well. Yeah. Well, you're right, Dana. You hit the nail on the head. Trust your instincts and aware of your surroundings. You acted quick. Thank you for sharing that with us. Very scary, but we are glad you are A-OK. Mm-hmm. Well, this final one is from our friend Cass. And the subject line is lapse in judgment. Trust your instincts. Well, speaking of trust your instincts. There we go. Hey, ladies, it's Cass. Love you both. Let's jump right in. I'm literally still shaking. This just happened, so I'm still shaken up. It's the night before Thanksgiving. I posted in a local Facebook group a few days ago that I've started collecting bones, and if anyone can point me in the right direction, I'd really appreciate it. Purchasing bones can get pricey after a while. I use them for rituals and crafting purposes. Most of the replies I got were really awful, accusing me of being a serial killer, calling it a red flag, etc. However, there were a few people who were receptive and gave me some pointers. There's a guy who posted a few pics today in the group and tagged me and was like, saw these today and thought you might want to recover them. 
Now, what's important to note here is that he said originally he was looking for bones too, but I figured he just got what he needed and left the rest. I said thanks and that maybe I'd be able to get there tomorrow or the next day after he told me the location. I decided I didn't want to wait and gathered up my supplies and went to head out. My husband came with me and brought a machete, just in case. We headed out to the area, and it was in an industrial park with literally nothing else around. It was completely empty. My biggest concern was, man, I hope this isn't trespassing and we end up getting a ticket. We didn't see anything except some deer, which made sense because the picture he sent was a deer skeleton. We get out with flashlights and go in opposite directions. It's as though Scooby-Doo taught us nothing. We're about 100 yards apart when I realize that I can't yell to my husband if something happens. We then decide we're going to walk together instead. I sent a DM to the guy telling him I decided to come out tonight instead and asked if he could be a little bit more specific with the location because I'd already been looking for more than half an hour. He didn't respond, but within minutes, his Facebook was deactivated. That's when I realized that I just told a stranger where I was in the darkness and he thought I was alone. This man drew me into an area knowing no one else would be out there. I told my husband it was a trap and we needed to leave. I know in my gut that man lured me out there with ill intent. I'm just glad I realized it before something happened. As soon as I sent the message, I realized what was happening. Heather says, a snake is a snake and it's not your fault you got bit. I'm so glad I saw this snake before it had the chance to strike. Part of me feels foolish that I fell for this, but the other part is glad that I had the sense to realize what was happening before it was too late. If it wasn't for the pod, I don't know that I would have known to think twice about the situation. So thanks for being there, even when you don't know it. Always trust your gut. Your intuition knows what's up. Well, that's a, a scam that I think, unfortunately, has run a lot. People, I've seen it with lost dogs. I think I told you about when I lived in Florida, that happened to an older woman who had lost her dog and somebody was like, oh, we found him. Meet us at blah, blah, blah. And then they robbed her of the reward money. But it's it's something that you don't think, oh, I'm just looking for craft stuff. I'm just going to see if anybody, you know, might know where this is. But unfortunately, it is a way for predators to Know where you are. The creepiest part about this is the immediate deactivation of the Facebook page. Huge it makes you think flag. he was trying to get rid of messages and shit. Yeah. Cover up your tracks. Mm-hmm. Hide what you're doing. Well, and especially I think I'm guilty of this. I'm in several like neighborhood groups or, you know, mm-hmm. local to my hometown, local to where I live now. And you kind of assume everybody that's in there. It's not quite like next door because next door you have to validate where you're at. But I mean, why would you be in a random neighborhood group if you don't live in that neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Not and thinking, oh, well, these are my neighbors. And so it is like it does kind of lull you into a sense of security that like you said, oh, I'm just looking for craft supplies and someone especially because Cass put that they posted this in the Facebook group and then they showed the responses and were like, these people are kind of assholes. And some of the neighbors were. Mm-hmm. Some of them thought they were being chuckleheads and like making jokes. And then some of them were straight up dicks about it. And they were like, I'm just trying to get bones for my crafts. <laughs> and so when you do find someone who's like, oh, me too. You're like, oh, you're cool. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So again, it's another layer of just like, oh, I, this is a friendly neighbor who mm-hmm. happens to have similar interests as me. And you're right. That deactivation is when you're like, oh. But also in those screenshots that they sent, the the guy is just sending a picture of bones. So, I mean, you could just get that off Google Images or, you know, it doesn't have to Damn. be something that they actually found. But then you say, oh, it's at this location that maybe you're familiar with and you know it's real isolated. Yeah. And then you also didn't really give any instructions on how to find it. So... Mm-hmm. you've kind of made it to where they're going to have to reach out to you again. Yeah, you set them up to wander around looking for something that doesn't exist because mm-hmm. it's a fake Google image in an industrial park with literally nothing else around. Mm-hmm. And Cass said in the screenshots, where are these located? And the guy said, near RMV. Well, I don't know what that means even, but that's not a lot of information. So, you know, you're kind of forcing a conversation to happen. Yeah, you're right, though, about especially responding to stuff. That's why some cities have put 
their police department has a, a parking spot or two in the police station parking lot that says you can come in if you're going to, you know, buy a cell phone or buy oh, a PlayStation nice. or sell a PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Meet for both parties' safety. We can meet, you know, or in the child the par- exchange in a custody situation yeah. or something. Yeah. Parking lot of City Hall or whatever. But they mark it as like online trading meetup spots, knowing that those spots are for the public to. I, I by saying some cities, I know my hometown Mesquite does this. <laughs> you mean I, was, I shouldn't meet people at the Seven Eleven up the street from my house when I'm pregnant and selling things on uh, Let Go? Did you do that mm, several times? Yeah. yeah. In Chicago, I met at like a spotted cow. Like we would meet at like diners, or I think we were selling a Wii or something. And yeah, I just went and yeah. It was uh, in hindsight, it <laughs> wasn't smart. I will say. The reason I did 7-Eleven is because I didn't want to give strangers my address and have them show up at my house. But I only would do it during the middle of the day and parked like where other people were. So hopefully, yeah, yeah, and it wasn't anything ever like worth so much that it seemed I wasn't selling like uh, a a gold watch or something where I thought I was going to get jumped. Well, 7-Eleven's smart because they routinely have tons of security cameras a lot of yeah. gas stations and have cops there too so that's true everybody's mm-hmm. getting coffee and stuff so well Cass, we're very glad that y'all aborted mission and Gosh, went home yeah. and bailed and don't feel bad like we said it's it could have been any of us but mm-hmm. now we all are you know it's sad but we have to get go into it with that awareness of like oh probably the other person on the end of this is <laughs> maybe gonna scam me yeah yeah <laughs> or at the very least just be a pain in the ass mm-hmm. a lot of times on those marketplace listings oh gosh yes well the moral of all of this and the story before is trust your instincts trust yeah. your gut because like santa does every year your gut doesn't lead you in the wrong direction. No, your gut will lead you down the chimney to some cookies. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> or crushed up candy canes for your mm. reindeers. Well, thank you so much to everyone that sent in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the ruling the airwaves and getting into it tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. We just did a True Crime Headlines this week that is about the Waukesha Parade trial sentencing. We talked about Elizabeth Holmes sentencing, Florida Lee's sentencing, Gwen Shamblin Laura. And we got into a whole discussion about true crime ethics and media and making dramatizations because there's some Gwen Shamblin Laura uh series coming out. Mm-hmm. And so we were discussing all that. It was a like you said, I'm having a lovely time discussing this. <laughs> like me too. It was very it was just a you know, you kind of get down into the nitty gritty. So mm-hmm. check that out. Yeah. And our live streams this month, in addition to our QA that's on the twenty eighth And then our bonus content that the patrons get to vote on that's live streamed on December 29th. Both of those are at 8 p.m. Central. We are doing our Hallmark After Dark. If you've done this with us before, it is a rip-roaring good time. (laughs) We pick a ridiculous Hallmark movie, a very cheesy Christmas movie, and then we mystery science it and talk over it and uh, fun and merriment is had. Yeah, it's always a good time. So now, and if you have suggestions, uh, we'll put a post on Patreon. You can put them in the comments up there. Maybe we'll uh, go through some of the uh, suggestions for Hallmark movies. Although I've been flipping through and it's our cup runneth over of opportunities. Oh, there's no shortage. And this is going to be December 13th at 8 p.m. Well, you also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host the monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. 
Patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual membership for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. What a jolly fun gift for the holidays. It's such a good gift. I love a subscription gift. It's a gift that keeps on giving. You went out by getting a free month. They went out by getting 12 months of gifts. Yeah. Give it to yourself. You know? Don't, you don't have to wait for somebody else to give you this. Give yourself the gift of the holidays. Treat Our yourself. Our voices. That's right. <laughs> Treat yourself. Well, for more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool swag to give to the one you love or to yourself, the one you love the most, (laughs) go to Sinisterhood.com, click shop in the top banner. We got t-shirts, mugs, totes, hoodies, mugs for your cozy cocoa. That is Sinisterhood.com. Click shop on the top banner. We're about to have a brand new shirt. We're just waiting for the, the green light. We might post a picture on social media just to tease it, and then we'll let you all know when it's available for purchase. Get that hype going. Mm -hmm. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlists. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. And thank you to everybody for all your wrapped Spotify shoutouts. Thank you so much, and thank you for sharing the show because on our Spotify wrap, we get our own as podcasters. Mm-hmm. It said we got shared like, way more percentage than we did last year oh, that's awesome. so y'all have been and it said primarily through texting so it's exactly that putting you know click the top three Perfect. dots and click share to a buddy so thank you for sharing i it. love that spotify does that i yeah. look forward to it every year and the way like watching the whole thing through and it makes the little pictures for you and you get to hear songs that it brought back a lot of tour memories all of my tops were the it was Bleachers, Lizzo, and Beyonce, which were yeah. all pretty much what we listened to getting ready for the tour. That's right. Every yeah, show. you always use your phone to listen to <laughs> yep. the songs mm-hmm. or driving in the cars. And uh, so it does not go unnoticed. And if you don't listen on Spotify, if you listen on Apple, Patreon, whatever, we love you too. Thank we you love so you much. Very much. Thank and you so much. And your, your listening is incalculable. Yeah. Because we don't true. know. But we love you. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We got YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy, where are you at? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin.